put out my portfolio, my resume, nobody's hiring. I did a lot of bartering. You know, I remember if somebody wanted a flyer, I'm like, bro, if they couldn't pay, I'm like, yo, can you just feed me? <laughs> I just need to eat, bro. Like, it was tough. It was rough. It was harsh. You can't get breakthrough results by doing things the same old way. Success in business only comes from fresh solutions. This show brings you the stories of entrepreneurs who did it their way so you can embrace doing it your way and build your own thing. You're in for a hell of a time. That's what the job recruiter said to me. Those guys do a lot of coke and a lot of partying. And now I'm sitting there wondering if we're still talking about the same thing. See, I was 23, fresh out of college, and looking for a marketing job. That's what I told the guy. I told him I want to work at an agency doing marketing. And that's when he started rambling about all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. As a guy in my 20s, that did sound real enticing, I'm not going to lie, but really... I just wanted to put my degree to use. I wanted to help cool companies sell products in a cool way. I ended up getting into marketing and then out and then back in. And the recruiter was partly right. I'll tell you how in a bit. But then 11 years later, I started my own side business, helping local businesses make more money by selling better. And that's what I'm here to share with you today. If you stick with me. So I love talking with others who are in the same racket. For example, my friend. My name is Steve Ortiz Lucen. I am a creative entrepreneur, a consultant, philanthropist, and a VJ. I run and build multiple brands that I own and love, and I'm on a mission to uplift my community through creativity. And here's why I love talking to other entrepreneurs and consultants. We're all either really cocky or really insecure, and sometimes both at the same time. I was incredibly confident. I really knew that I had a unique sort of flavor to design. While everybody was doing very boring flat designs, I was doing very 3D impactful designs, and hence hallucinated design, like the designs made you hallucinate. I knew, I knew my product. Coming back out now, you know, January 2018 is when I decided to go back to, to my uh, creative entrepreneurship, just going out on my own, um, seeing how the whole marketing game has changed because of social media. Every, every so often, I, I do get the imposter syndrome, and I'm like, this guy's doing it better, this guy's doing it that way, this and that, this and that. But what I've learned also is if you compare, you will despair, Right. And it's like you cannot compare yourself to other people. You have to just compare yourself to the person you were the day before. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is the first secret to marketing. Coded in there, Steve gives us the secret to winning in business. He knew what made him unique. And that's what he focused on. The technical term for this is Unique Selling Proposition, or USP. 
In every category, only one brand can compete on price. So only one Walmart and only one Bic pen. For the rest of us to compete, we have to find what makes us unique. Take Instagram. Do you know how they started? They started as an app for sharing your location called Bourbon. But guess who was their competition? Yep, Foursquare, who was the leader at that time at doing this. Instagram realized it was a losing battle, but they had already raised half a million bucks. So here's what happened next. They told this story in the podcast, How I Built This. We had, you know, $495,000 left in the bank because $5,000 to buy a couple of computers, right? Um, and... And we were like, all right, it's okay. If this idea doesn't work out, we can really string this half a million dollars out for a long time. So we're going to come up with a new idea. So we started focusing on photos and we were both burned out. And I was like, all right, Mike, I, I got to take, take a break. So my now wife and I, Nicole, went to Mexico and we were working on uh, this idea of photos. So Mike was like, all right, I'm going to prototype this thing while you're on break. You come back and then we'll like reconvene. So Mike started prototyping this app. And as I'm away, I'm, I'm walking down the beach with Nicole uh, in Mexico. We were in this little surfing town called Todos Santos. And I'm like, you know, Nicole, I think we're going to focus on photos. And she goes, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea. I love all the fo po photo posts on bourbon. But she goes, I don't think I'm going to post that much. And I go, well, why not? And she goes, well, my photos aren't that good. And I said, well they're great and she goes well they're not as good as your friend greg and i was like well greg uses a bunch of filter apps to like make them look nice and she goes oh you should probably add filters and i was like ah that's it like we we just need to be able to make people feel like their photos are worthy of sharing so that was the aha moment for instagram they found their secret sauce make people feel good about their photos but before we continue talking about finding your special thing, let's rewind time a little bit. Let's hear about how my friend Steve got started because like Instagram, he didn't always know what his special thing is. He started doing design in college when he downloaded a bootleg copy of Photoshop and his first breakthrough, getting paid $50 to make a party flyer. It's, it's inspiration, it's encouragement, it gave me confidence. And you're right, that's all you need. So little by little, I mean, people saw that I would put my heart and soul into these flyers. And then um, another brother would be like, hey, I have a, a client who needs a yearbook, I remember. And that was like my first $1,000 project. And they needed uh, to put a bunch of pictures together into a yearbook, you know. And it's like, so it was like InDesign work. I'm like, okay, yeah, let me do it. Let me get it. So then little by little, I started to understand or I started to explore different types of design work, right? There was the fly work, there was the sort of yearbook, uh, publishing work. Then I learned how to do websites, you know, then I learned how to do logos, you know. So he was kind of flailing around. He hadn't yet found his special sauce. He was simply taking any design project just to learn the ropes. But anyone will tell you, college is not the real world. So then the picture gets dark.
I put out, graduate 2010, put out my portfolio, my resume, nobody's hiring. So I just continue freelancing little by little. I did a lot of bartering. You know, I remember if somebody wanted a flyer, I'm like, bro, if they couldn't pay, I'm like, yo, can you just feed me? <laughs> I just need to eat, bro. Like, it was tough. It was rough. It was harsh. And yeah, little by little, like, I'm like, yo, why is nobody hiring me? I don't understand. I'm nice. I'm good. I'm a great guy, too. But nobody. So it was just little side projects, small, you know, flyers here and there. A website here and there but then um the key thing was that i bumped into my boy from middle school his name is anthony gentilly and i'm like yo i haven't seen you in so long what's up how you doing yo come i live right here we were all in the upper west side and i was right by my crib on 108 and i'm like yo come come to the crib just grab a drink let's catch up and me just being excited about the my craft, I opened my laptop, showed him my animations, and he's like, yo, you should come work for my dad. And his dad is a toy inventor, uh, an author, a creative, uh, a genius, an entrepreneur, like, did a bunch of bunch of stuff. So went to go see his dad, showed him, uh, no, he assigned me a trailer to do for one of his books that he, that he, that he came out. Did a trailer for him and boom, he hired me as a as a retained freelancer so three days out of the week i was coming into his office and doing any sort of animation that he needed whether it be a trailer or like a small little rotation of a 3d object like whatever it was i was there on deck for him and that was a, a very very key point for me because i in the office i had a cubicle and I was just doing my thing, you know, and that kept me, kept the roof over my head and food on my plate, right? So that was good. That was stability. That was about three grand a month, right? And, and only for three days a week. So the other two days I could chill, work on my freelancing or, you know, just figure, figure life out or whatever. As they say, the difference between winning and losing is most often just not quitting. So this relationship he had built was key. It kept him in the game, a chance to figure himself out. Then he got bold. I saw that he had an office that opened up, right? Like somebody quit or got fired, I don't even know. And I went to his dad, you know, his name is also Anthony Gentile. And I'm like, Yo, can I have that office? But I will be here more often for you. I'll be, instead of three days, I'll be here five days or even six days if you want. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Of course. That right there was the most empowering move ever. Because that's when I started to bring in clients to the office, show them the office, you know. And I immediately went from somebody who would take clients in like a Starbucks or, you know, at home, you know, or wherever else to somebody who had an office in the middle of Manhattan in New York City. And I people started to take me more seriously. I showed them the plaques that I had on my, I mean, not the plaques, the, my degrees, you know, hey, I went to school for it. I'm not just your cousin who picked up Photoshop. Although that's kind of how it started, right? Yeah, but I, starts that. Right? But, you know, I, I, I got my background in it. I got my education yeah. in it. I got my master's in it. I have an office, 
I'm like, yo, come work with me. I'm serious about, about design in general. So now he had his own office and he went from being simply a designer to having a business. Yet those are two very different disciplines. Adam Robinson once said that geniuses have a limited tool set. They have a hammer and their genius is in looking for nails. You could be a genius at design, but that rarely transfers over to being great at business too. This is where Steve needed some guidance. I have my mentor, George Nunez, so I've been working with him for the past year and a half so, and he's an incredible entrepreneur, right? He moves in lightning speed, and he mentors me and shows me the, I don't want to call it a hierarchy, but how a business can be ran, right? So there's the owner, and then there's the, let's say like the directors, and then the producers, and then like everybody else in between and stuff. So he showed me, or he asked me, do, do you want to continue being a designer slash producer or be the business owner that, you know, sort of like calls the shots and stuff? I told him I want to be, I still want to be both, right? I, I love design. I love animating. I still enjoy um, the thrill of making people happy through my art. However, my ultimate vision and my ultimate goal is to create multiple brands and organizations that do run on their own. Therefore, I am on my way to becoming more business and not just creative or, or, or yeah, more business as opposed to producer and business. In Russia, there's a saying, if you chase two rabbits, you will not catch either one. Anytime we spread our focus out, we run the risk of losing our edge. But here's the flip side of that. In business, your special thing, what we call your unique selling proposition, that thing could be combining two things in a fresh way. For example, a Swiffer isn't as good at sweeping as a broom or as good at mopping as a mop. But the way Swiffer combined both makes it a $500 million product. I'll take that any day. So, if you've been paying attention, you've noticed the thread running through Steve's story. And this is, he's good at building relationships. He hustled his way into projects while in school. Then his network of friends opened up a steady freelancing gig. And he parlayed that into a cool office in Midtown Manhattan. Now it's becoming clear to him what his special thing is. He combines the skills of a solid designer with the communication and people skills of a CEO. It kind of relates with something the famous author Neil Gaiman said during a commencement speech. You get work however you get work. But people keep working in a freelance world. And more and more of today's world is freelance. Because their work is good. And because they're easy to get along with. And because they deliver the work on time. And you don't even need all three. <laughs> Two out of three is fine. <laughs> People will tolerate how unpleasant you are if your work is good and you deliver it on time. <laughs> People will forgive the lateness of your work if it's good and they like you. 
and you don't have to be as good as everyone else if you're on time and it's always a pleasure to hear from you. So you see, you can blend two common things into one special one, and then focus on finding the group of people who need that most. But this brings a new challenge for Steve. He must find a way to not just work in his business, but also work on his business. It's a tricky line to walk. So the way I do it right now, I split my day pretty much in half. So eight o'clock, I'm working from eight to 1 p.m. is just production work or creative work, especially that first hour and a half from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. My most important or my most creative or my most urgent piece of work, whatever needs my full brain capacity and focus and attention, that's what I work on first because you have a you have levels to your creativity for the day. And it goes down as the hours go by. So, so I do it first thing and all up until one o'clock, one o'clock I have lunch. Two o'clock on, I try and meet with people. That's the business aspect of it. You know, that's the salesman in me. You know, that's like, okay, let me meet with you. What do you want? Let's do this. Let's figure out things. Um, and that's because after lunch, my energy goes down as most people's energy goes down, but people end up giving me the energy, so I come back up. This split of a workday is very famous in the startup world. In Silicon Valley, the venture capitalist Paul Graham gave it a term. He divides work into either maker time or manager time. Maker time requires large chunks of undisrupted time alone, like two to four hours while manager time, which usually means meetings, is divided by the hour. For best results, use your mornings as maker time and afternoons as manager time. And now here's a pro tip. The special thing that elevates you or your company above others, it will usually lean heavier towards maker time. Even if you're in consulting or sales, it still applies because you still need to prep and plan. Lincoln said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. My friend Steve spends his mornings getting better at design and then in the afternoon, he's ready to shine. His special thing comes to life with his client interactions. So I, I sit down with the client, we do a whole brand discovery session where I understand the, the vision of the of the company, the mission, the goal, the um, the culture that the brand is trying to have, the you know what makes them unique, uh, the voice, so much. So that that alone, that's part of the process right there. Is just doing this strategy session with people, right? Because from there, what I get out of that is many brand attributes, which are just words, right? With these words, I'm able to do research and put a Pinterest board together of things that are out there already that relate to these words or connect to these words. So I share this Pinterest board with the client and we have a conversation. 
Hey, remember when we said that, you know, you wanted to have a very energetic voice for your brand and, you know, you needed some clean and modern stuff or whatever it is. The, look at these logos. Uh, tell me what sticks out. Uh, what, what, yeah, what sticks out to you according to these brand attributes. And, and remember, we're always trying to speak to your ideal customer, which is what we also figure out in the brand discovery. So it's not what the client loves or, 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 or you know, uh, yeah, it's not what the client, you know, loves. Yeah, it's what the ideal client or the ideal customer is, is thinking. You know, we have to put ourselves in their shoes. So we have that conversation. We go back and forth and then we do another round of a Pinterest board, you know, show the client, do another round of Pinterest board, show the client. Each round we're refining the 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 direction so we've done a shit ton of work but no designing right it's it's all just understanding what we're trying to do and refine the direction and that way when we actually start designing it's very little back and forth you know because we've 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 sort of uh, targeted exactly what we're looking for according to all the conversation and research that we've done. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely love my process. I, I know a lot of designers don't do it that way. And then when we actually design, we end up really just designing one logo. We don't need to show them three or five or ten iterations because it's like, no, we're honing in on, on, exact, on, a, on an exact direction for it. So you see, his process is special. It front loads the tough work the hard decisions, and then it backloads the time-consuming work. This makes it more efficient. For those who aren't designers, this might not seem like much, but it takes a lot of courage and clarity to do it this way. As an entrepreneur, that's usually what it comes down to, having the courage to focus on your special thing, even when it would be so much easier to make fast money by following trends. Jerry Garcia, the famous musician, says, you want to be the only person that does what you do. He calls it your personal monopoly. As an entrepreneur, your goal should be to find that special thing that you do, a skill or a mix of skills no one else can do in quite the same way. Once you do that, customers will beat a path to your door. For me, finding that special thing has been a long journey. It might have started with that recruiter who said I was in for a hell of a time in the marketing world. For the record, I think he was the one who was on something that day. Or maybe he misheard what I asked for. Although, the company parties did get a little wild, and the business trips included much more than just business. The point is, every job I've had got me closer to my special thing. At WeWatchers.com, I learned how to sell products online. At Muscle Milk, I learned how to promote through partnerships. At another, I learned about writing newsletters. But the thread that runs through all of them is this. Business is simply about connecting with others. This is what my side business now is about. I help entrepreneurs reach their customers online without ads. And it's all about telling your story correctly. Because when you've found your special thing, you connect with others right away. Steve also knows how to connect because he found his special thing. 
and he's doubled down on being what I call a creative whisperer. He's best at supporting others who are in entertainment and the arts. Now, right, I have Hallucinated Design. That's the, the branding and, and marketing for entertainment and nightlife. But I also have Support Creativity, which is my scholarship nonprofit that I'm trying to build and grow. Within Support Creativity, I want that to be a whole support system for students to learn how to use the craft that they learned in, their, in, in school and make a business out of it. Fast forward to now, since 2013, we've awarded $30,000 in scholarships going to, uh, for students going to college and grad school. Uh, there's a whole scholarship that's just for undocumented people, or I call it the global scholarship. Uh, that way, uh, you know, it could be a global citizen of the world. And it's, yeah, just open for any creative field. So you see, your unique skill could be super simple like helping others find their skills. Or it could mean connecting others with money to build their dreams. The point is to double down on what makes you stand apart. Someone once said, being the best is great, you're number one. But being unique is greater, you're the only one. Nowhere else does this apply more than in business. When you think of web search, you think of Google. They own something like 92% of market share. They became the leader by focusing on their special thing and then removing everything else. Back when Yahoo had like 300 links on their search page, Google only had the search bar. If you want to build and grow your business, you have to be as ruthless as Google is with cutting the fat. That's how you build a monopoly of one by finding your special thing and then sticking to it. You can find anything and everything about me and all the projects that I'm working on at stevelucin.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-L-U-C-I-N.com. My peoples, it feels great to be back um, with the podcast, new episodes, new name. Um, I know it's been a year, but I had to kind of sit back, reassess, got really busy with work, with my business. Um, but now I've found a way to fit it in and manage and, and interview and get some great ideas out there to you. So I'm excited to be back. I'm going to release these weekly, so stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it may be. Um, but subscribe and stay tuned. These episodes are going to come weekly, and I'm excited for what's ahead. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye.